Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Horror Countdown Podcast. I'm your host, Don and Ellie, and today I have a special guest with me from Behind the Screams. Please welcome Holly. Hello. It's Beyond the Screams. Oh, Beyond the Screams? Ah, yeah. I, I get that. <laughs> no, it's okay. <laughs> I get that confused because there's a show I listen to called Behind the Screams, and <laughs> I've gotten you guys confused so many times. Okay, that's so perfectly fine. <laughs> yeah, so okay, from beyond the screams, I'm I'm sorry about that. <laughs> no, that's okay. <laughs> All right, so uh, well, thank you for uh, being here. It's uh, fun to talk with. Uh, finally, get to do something together. Yeah, yeah, I'm so excited to finally talk with you and get a chance to meet you because yeah, you've been a just you're a huge supporter of podcasts on uh, that you that I see you networking with and you're just such a wonderful person to give credit to all these podcasts and like shout out and everything and it's 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 just really nice to have that support so I'm really excited to do this with you <laughs> oh thank you so much yeah it's uh great to give back and share the community um yeah so for today, um, that brings us to the uh, topic we're going to be talking about tonight. So we're going to be doing top 10 novel adaptations. So uh, let's give a little bit of a reasoning here for um, our chosen topic. Yeah, so the, the way that I went about making my list, I, I set up some rules for myself. Okay, so, good. So did I. Yeah, good, good, good. So I had to have, of course, read the novel, the original text, and seen the movie so I can have a good comparison. Um, and my list is because there are some movies on my list that are, are like in my top horror movie list. Um, mm. I had to really take a look at it and see if it's a good adaptation versus, you know, whether I like the movie or not. So a good movie so, versus a good adaptation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, great. Uh, yeah. So my list, um, I'm not quite as uh, in-depth as you. Um, most of these, uh, to be honest, I've never actually read them. Mm -hmm. But my adaptation was is that it had to be a full-length novel. I couldn't do a short story adaptation. Okay. All right. So that was my criteria. So I went that it had to one be a good movie and two, it had to be a, a full length novel that it was based on. It wasn't a shorter adaptation. Okay. All right. Okay. So uh, if uh, we're ready, let's uh, get yeah, it. Yeah. Our, our, we're going from like 10, 10 to one, right? Correct. We're going to yeah. count down. All right. Yeah. That's the way we go. All right. So my number 10 is Hellraiser, which is based on The Hellbound Heart by Clive Barker. Nice. <laughs> yeah, that was, a, <laughs> that was a contender until I remember it was a novella. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah, so that doesn't fit with yours. So it doesn't fit yours, um, but um, it was a short list until I made the consideration. So I, I'm yeah, a huge fan. Yeah, it's, it is on mine. I didn't have that distinction. And it's Hellraiser is one of my favorite movies, but it is lower on my list because yeah it's a short story and there's a lot of um there's a lot of leeway you can take with the overall story like filling in the story from page to movie so 
there's because it's a short story there's just so much that's filled in within the movie itself that's like yeah it's a it has the general essence of the story but it's not really the story on screen yeah um i i i do admit i this is one i'm i haven't really read in depth but i have read it once so i do know mm-hmm. that there is a huge amount of disparity between the book and the story mm-hmm. um to give a slight spoiler for those of you that aren't familiar with it um the addition of pinhead and the cenobites yeah <laughs> yeah um yeah I, that's one of the uh, big the big differences between the two because i i don't remember if they gave him a full-on description but they just called him head priest correct yes and in the novella it was more of like the the pins that you see in the movie are more like kind of nails in his head but in the book they're kind of or in the novella they're more described as like these um almost sewing pins with like flat jewel heads that are like all the way in so and because of the description of that and how they tried to do it they were like yeah it doesn't really come across on screen the way they wanted to so they needed to make it a little more like obvious uh, visceral yeah or obvious <laughs> visceral exactly yeah yeah um yeah actually um behind the monsters on shutter they have a new series where they're going through like all the classic monsters and like how they're being made the last one that i watched was on pinhead and it was really oh, interesting yeah they um, had he's the next one on my list at the time of recording this yeah 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 i, I wish i would have gotten to it but because yeah he's the uh, next that's the next episode on my on the amazing uh, yeah the time we're recording this it's my next episode nice <laughs> So, yeah, um, I mean, like I said, I'm a huge fan of it. Um, it was a short list on my list until I remember I made the distinction to separate full length from short story slash novella. So, yeah, I kind of knocked them off, but I, I would have had it on there. I'm a huge fan of it. So, yeah, yeah. And there, there are so many like Clive Barker is one of my favorite horror authors. And there are so many short stories. If you've read any of the books of blood. Uh, there are so many stories in there. I know uh, Rawhead Rocks was turned into a movie. It wasn't really that great because I feel like Clive Barker is almost like um, like Stephen oh. King, where like sometimes like the the way he describes things you can't really put on screen, or like an H.P. Lovecraft. Yeah, I, it's like yeah. if, if I rem- if I recall correctly, they. It, the essence is just the monster running amok. I think that's the basic yeah. essence. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. If, if I remember, if I because I I did read that one. I think that's I, I think that's the big discrepancy between them is that it's the general essence of the monster running amok in the community. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm saying I I'm trying to think if there were, there was like maybe one or two others that were adapted from that books of blood thing that I can't re- I can't remember any others. I, I remember you know, Rawhead Rex um, was one. I think I don't remember. I had to be two years ago, 2019, where they had a Books of Blood on Hulu. It really wasn't that great. I was very excited for it because oh, I, yeah. was, I, I had that on the, my worst of the year list. Yeah, I was I was super yeah. excited because I was like, OK, maybe they can break these up in a nice way to actually give credence to these stories and like go into the emotional depth 
that they deserve, but it really didn't. And as yeah. like, all right, you guys don't know Clive Barker. <laughs> yeah, I, I think they actually, I don't know if it's actually an adaptation of a specific story, but there was a, a film from like 2009 or 10 that used Books of Blood. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I don't uh, oh, it was the, um, it was, was it the, the Masters of Horror? No, it was a standalone movie. Okay. Um, if I, I, I if I remember the basic plot line right, because it's been years since I've seen it. Basically, uh, this guy arrives at this mo um, remote motel, and weird stuff starts happening. And it turns out that the stranger is a conduit for demons to enter the world. He's okay. like a traveling conduit, and then the books of blood is basically the fact that the demons write on write their spells on him yeah and then that's how they enter the world is that writing their spells on him gives them the power to enter the world okay and then it's yeah. a race to race to stop them and i i, I don't recall specifically because again it's been years but I, mm -hmm. I remember that as the general gist of the story okay so yeah i i don't know if that one is based on anything specific from one of the stories because i haven't read all of them in that yeah that sounds like yeah like kind of there's one that's like the opening story and they usually okay. use that as the kind of wraparound okay yeah i yeah. i don't recall if that was a specific story in that book but yeah that they i remember that movie specifically so okay yeah all right well that's a great first choice all right yeah number nine i have i have a a lot of Stephen King on this list <laughs> and oh. the first yeah first one is number nine it's Carrie mm, well a uh, spoiler that one made mine yay <laughs> yeah that one made mine all right so, um, awesome. I'll discuss that one I'll discuss that more in depth when I get to mine okay all right uh but, um, do you do you want yeah. me to go do you want me to discuss with you I can keep going I mean, if you want to do it now or if you want to talk no. about it when it's my turn, let's let's go through my list then. Okay, yeah. <laughs> All right. My number eight is Rosemary's Baby. Uh, that's another one on my list. Awesome. Okay. Well, I'll talk about this one now then. Okay. Because uh, Rosemary's Baby is my number one horror movie. It's been my top number one horror movie for probably like 15 years or so. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't think I read the book until maybe 10 years ago or so. And it was one where when I read it, I was reading it and I was like, oh, this movie makes a lot more sense now. And that's one of the things that I took in consideration into writing this list because Rosemary's Baby is my favorite horror movie. However, I did have to read the book to understand like the deeper meanings that was going on behind everything and the many layers that was happening. But um, God, man, that that movie, it just gets under my skin every single time I watch it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I remember when I first saw it, I didn't think much of it. I thought it was a little, I thought it was maybe like 10 minutes too long or mm -hmm. just a little slower pace, but I, I gave it a rewatch on a recommendation of a friend of mine who's, who told me a little bit about it. And I wish I remembered why he, I rem wish I remembered the specific point about it, but I, I watched it on his recommendation and I really grew to love it afterwards. I, I, I really think it's one of the better films from that period. 
uh, I, I do appreciate a lot of the relationship dynamics within it. I think it's a mm -hmm. really fun angle that it mixes that in with, you know, pregnancy and, you know, mothers growing, you know, attachment to her child. And then you mix that in with this satanic cult angle. Uh, it's a great time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like I, I loved this movie before because I, I'm just drawn to psychological horror movies in general. Like that's my draw. But, um, once I was pregnant with my first child and going through all that. And then I watched this movie. I was like, oh my God, I totally understand this on a mm -hmm. deeper Like I totally get it on just like a different level. And it's, I hate to say, it sounds so cliche, but be, becoming a mother has definitely shaped the way that I watch horror movies and the way that I feel watching horror movies. Like, just a lot of them that I have on my every year watch list. Like this is my Halloween list. This is my winter list. I'm like, Ooh, do I want to watch this one this year? It's hitting a little too close to home now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. I know the feeling I, I've gotten that way sometimes where it's like, do I really want to watch this for the 50th time or do I want to watch something new? And then it's like, you're having that eternal battle in your head. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I've gotten that way too. It's like, you know, you want yeah. to honor the, you want to honor, honor the season. You want to honor the holiday, but then it's mm -hmm. like, Oh, but this one looks so good. I've never seen it before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I get that way a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think you're number six, uh, seven. Oh, wait. Uh, yeah, seven. Number seven, my movie pick is Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, the one with Robert De Niro. Ooh, I picked the original. Okay. Okay. Yes. Okay. Because okay. Frankenstein is my favorite overall horror story. And all right, this is really cheesy, but I named my firstborn after Victor Frankenstein. His name is Victor. <laughs> but. <laughs> It's, I just, I don't know. There's just something very sad and human about that story. And even though this, this is why I put it a little lower on my list, even though it's called Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, it's still not the true adaptation of what she wrote. It takes some liberties. Yeah. And, but even, even still it it really holds the emotion and the heart that you feel when you read the story and what was translated into the original, which what you have, um, the, just the sadness and the, the weight that it brings. I think that's what translates through it, but Mary Shelley's version, like, the Mary, I'm sorry. Yeah, the, the 94 version. version. The yeah, 94 Ken, version. Kenneth Branagh's version <laughs> of it. Um, it just, I, I feel like it um, translates page to screen very well. Different, the page to screen adaptation. It really holds true to the the emotional story that it has, and that's oh. the more true version for me of why I've picked that version rather than the like universal monster movie. Yeah, I do agree. I, I do think I, from, like I said, from what I've read of the, 
the Mary Shelley ver the novel. I, I do think the 94 version is closer than the Universal version. I, I know some of that would probably have been uh, counted down to the censorship at the time. So it's not like I'm Absolutely. really. So I'm really not yeah. going to like fault it for not being a faithful adaptation. But yeah, I, I do remember reading that the Mary Shelley version is much more accurate and it's much more faithful. Um, I think it's because the second half is the monster's journey. Yes. Because it, yeah. yeah, I think that's more, I think in line with what she went, which where she went with it, because now he's loose, he's out, he's, you know, exploring the world for his first time. And, you know, the abandonment and the rejection he goes through from Victor to, you know, wanting to leave him behind and start on with his life. And then all of a sudden coming back and wanting to be embraced and accepted. Mm -hmm. I, I remember reading that that was a lot more in line with what she went through. So. Yeah. 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 And see, seeing the universal version that you, you get that too. I, and that's what really drew me into Frankenstein as a yeah. character is that, that, emotion and that sadness that she wrote is very much carried through in that original universal yeah. film and it's just it's so sad and you just like he's the most sympathetic character and it it yeah. translates so very well and mary the mary shelley version the 94 one it's it just gives a little more it it gets past that like early universal stage of like needs to be flashy and like get people invested and involved and everything. And it's just, it plays to human emotion and I yeah. love it. Well, my problem with that is the fact that I find that far more attractive in Bride than I do in the original. Oh yeah, that, so that that's, is true. So yeah, that's kind of my problem. So okay, I, yeah, I, yeah, uh, I can a, appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, great choice. Um, <laughs> as for the that version, I do like it. I it's been a while since I've revisited, so I'm not 100 familiar. But I do remember mm -hmm. a lot of what you're saying, and it is coming kind of ringing a lot of circles. So yeah, yeah, uh, fantastic choice. <laughs> So uh, my number six is another short novella. It's from Stephen King. It's The Mist. That one would have been mine if I would have included ah, it. Yeah, if, yeah. Yeah. if I would have included <laughs> that thing, I, that would have been one of mine because I'm, yeah. I'm a huge fan. That's probably actually my favorite. Oh, man. That's probably it, my favorite actual King adaptation. Yeah, it is. Um, I have... Okay, so some of these people may have consider me cheating a bit, but I, you know, I listen to a lot of audiobooks because I used to like drive like half an hour, drop off my kids, go to work and everything. So it's like always audiobooks, audiobooks, audiobooks. So I listened to the audio version of The Mist and it, it just sent chills up my spine, like all the descriptions that they had. And I thought they did such a great job, e even though it was all CGI or, you know, it, it's, it's almost like, okay, come on. We can see that it's like fake and everything. It's still the, it's the human connections and the human emotion and like 
the um my favorite character in the movie and the book miss carmody marcia gay harden she's so like engaging and you want to watch her but it's like oh my god you're just a horrible human being and it's but the fact that she is so engaging it's I don't know. It just pulls me into that story. And I think the, the text to screen works very, very well on that human level. Yeah, I, I I completely agree. Um, A lot. I I find myself frightened of that because a lot of what she says, I would probably believe. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Her, a lot of her reasoning and a lot of her arguments are actually far more sound than just hysterical ranting. Yes. Yeah. That's, and that's the part that kind of gets to me is that, yeah, I would probably be one that would look at her with skepticism, but there's that part of me that's like, um, she's making more sense than you want her to. Yeah, because it's like, that, look what's happening. She's exactly. the one who's making sense right now with yeah. all the crazy things that are happening. <laughs> yeah, like I said, yeah. her her logic and her reasoning is not as far crazes the situation around her yeah the points and- she's making are very reasonable and that's i can very easily see human society the way it is now following her quite absolutely yeah yes. uh, there's yeah. no doubt in my mind a lot of people are going to follow her yeah yeah and just like the the differences and the ending i won't say anything just in case nobody yeah. has yeah, you know um, one or the other but different endings and both of them are they they just hit hard yeah they they hit hard one one slightly more than the other but uh i don't i don't mind the change in that because visually it's almost like you see all these like fantastic things visually so seeing something so visually heartbreaking fits with that tone so it fits yeah. the movie versus the novella yeah completely yeah but i i do think that it's a beautiful adaptation and it just it hits those like interpersonal relationships of like like what would you do if you're in this in if you're in this small knit position where it's chaos like what would you do? It's scary. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and um, speaking of small scary places, Cujo is my next one. Yeah, um, I, I was considering it, but I mm-hmm. had others on my list. But I, okay. I, can, I can respect it. Okay. Yeah, because I. This was one that I I listened to the audiobook. I was not really a fan of the person who read the audio story, but they still gave a very intense reading of what it would be like to be in that main character's position. And I I just I think that the movie compared with that it's like they they kept that tension like just right on par with each other because yeah like watching that movie I'm just always like god like 
is this dog going to hurt them? Like what, like, ah, man, I don't, I, I rooting for them, but I really have no faith that they're going to get anywhere. It's just really sad. Yeah. It's sad and scary. Yeah. Um, I, I'm a huge fan of that section of the film. Not as much the first the first half um a lot of the relationship stuff a little gets to me but yeah but yeah um i I completely agree um i love the way that they filmed the way way that the dog patrols the car uh i mean you know you're trying to prevent the dog from getting to your kid like you want the kid to survive and i think that's like the main thing especially with you and your connection with your kids you know i would imagine that would be a very Mm -hmm even if you've not like subconsciously realized that I would imagine that would be a very strong factor to a connection factor with you. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause I, I do think that I, I listened to the audiobook of this before I had kids. And even then it was like, God, yeah. Like, what would I do? Like what, what links would I go to? And just almost the ridiculous, ridiculousness of the situation of like I'm stuck in a car with my kid while there's a dog outside like when you say it it's almost like god this is really ridiculous but I can't escape it and there are just there are so many moments in your life where it's like when you say it out loud it's like this sounds so stupid but it's really impacting my life yeah I I really even in the story, like when she's going through all the issues with her husband, who she, you know, she's getting a divorce and everything. It's like, yeah, all these issues just seem so superficial and stupid, but they are important. And same thing when it comes to being faced with a dog who has rabies, like, this shouldn't be a thing. This is kind of dumb for me in this modern life for me to be going through, but I'm now stuck in a car with my kid. How do I protect my kid? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, that's a big part, like I said, of what I like about it. I, I think the way that that's handled is fantastic. I love it. Yeah. But, yeah. And Dee yeah. Wallace, like, yeah, I cannot it, love her. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that definitely helps as well. So yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, great choice. Uh, number five or four? I, I'm on three. Oh, three. Wow. Three. Yeah, we're okay. just racing through it. Um, <laughs> number three is The Girl Next Door, a same novel by Jack Ketchum. Have you um, seen this? I don't think I have. Okay. Let me, um, I'll give a little explanation so it starts out excuse me starts out with this um man who like witnesses some kind of accident and then he just starts reliving things from his childhood so it's this older man's point of view from um memories that he's had in his childhood And un- it's okay. Jack Ketchum is such a visceral writer. He is the only person who I have 
read a book where I've like literally thrown it across the room and said, nope, can't handle it right now. <laughs> um, it's his horror writing is, I wouldn't say psychological. It's just very human. It's just all the, all the things that you think are bad as a, like, if you're like growing up and you feel shame, it's like, you feel shame as a person for this reason or another. It's that he like just builds upon shame and like all of these non-discussed things. And ultimately it's about a story about a girl who is two girls who are being abused and people who do nothing about it. Hmm. And whether or not they, it's, you know, they either do nothing about it because they don't want to, or because they don't know what to do. And that's really kind of the scary thing It's that the, this is, these are things that are happening to kids that it's like, oh my God, they don't know what to make of this. And there are adults there that could prevent this from happening. And I think that the movie is a beautiful adaptation of it. It's very difficult to watch. It's a difficult book to read. Like I said, I, as I was reading it at one point, I threw it across the room and I said, I was like, nope, can't read it right now. <laughs> Going to come back to that in a few days. <laughs> but um, I, I think ultimately, if you're a person who can look, you know, like get past that and like, look at it at, as the psychological horror that it is it's it's just a great movie and a beautiful adaptation of what was written i'll have to take a look out for it because i i know jack ketchum i think i've seen his uh i think i saw a film from his called offspring offspring is not the best of his yeah i i, I think that's one? the but that, i think that's the yeah. only one of his i think i've seen i okay. that's what I'm saying. i i know the name but i think it's just from that yeah, the girl next door and the what is it? The lost ones. Yeah, that's the other one I have. The lost ones. Those are my two like best. Uh, I didn't include that on this list because it's not. It doesn't stick out in my mind as much as the girl next door. But um, the girl next door and the lost ones are the best. Um, story to screen adaptations, um, The Offspring. And there was another one that came after that, maybe a couple of years ago, that was like a sequel to The Offspring. They're not, the stories are good, but the movie adaptations are not that great. I, I yeah. highly recommend Jack Ketchum as more of a reading author than seeing his his adaptations presented on screen hmm. definitely read him because god i oh, they, he will just 
put you in a mode and just like send that book sailing across the room and be like, no, I don't want to read that, but I want to read it. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, um, definitely. We'll keep an eye out for that one. So yeah. cool. Uh, number two. Number two, another Stephen King is Misery. On my list. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. one that I, um, goodness, that's just such a good one. And I, I, I listened to other horror review podcasts and one that I listened to recently, the Nightlife, K-N-I-G-H-T Life. Uh, they reviewed misery and gosh, it's just such a good adaptation. And just the way that he writes, the way that Stephen King writes Annie and the way that Kathy Bates portrays her on screen, it's like, she was, she was new and she, then she did Annie and got an Academy award. (laughs) Like there's, (laughs) There's just something special there. And that that tension that is in there, like the the tension and just the awkwardness that Annie has in that story. It's like Kathy Bates just brings to the screen so well. And knowing that she was so new to acting, it's like, oh, God, like, who are you? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I'll say that in mind. I, that's a lot of my fascination with the film is it's impossible just not to fall for. Yeah. I mean, it's just, even though what, what happens is it just gradually becomes much more terrifying. Mm-hmm. You're still there. You're still with her. And, you know, much like with what we were saying with the Miz, you know, you almost side for her. Yeah. Yeah. Like it hurt just even the simple things where she's like mispronouncing the champagne and just she's like Don Perignon. It's like, oh, look at like you want so badly to have this idea that's in your head and that's just not who you are. But I don't I don't know. It's just this juxtaposition that just makes her just I don't know, just sad because of how hard she's trying and just like the the blinder she's willing to put on her while she's doing all of this and I think Kathy Bates just knocks it out of the park Mm. she is so good (laughs) Uh, one of the few times one of the few times I've actually agreed with the Academy Award nomination yeah see right god just like when she's holding a hammer and she's like god I love you (laughs) it's like oh my god you're so scary and I love you (laughs) Uh, all right so uh your top choice all right so this one took a, a couple days worth of like going through my list and my Absolute number one, I think that I have to say is the silence of the lambs. Mm. I was debating. (laughs) Yeah. Hard to argue with that one. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, because that was, um, again, like that's something that I just grew up 
watching. And I, I mean, I grew up watching just, I saw an actor or an actress and I just wanted to consume everything that they were in and just see who they were as an actor. And that's how I came across a lot of horror is because I saw a lot of people who are in horror. And so I was like, Oh, let me see more of what you're in. I was like, Oh, okay. You're in this horror thing. Let me see this. And when I learned that Jodie Foster was in Silence of the Lambs and I saw it, I was like, wow, this is, it's just on a different caliber than what I thought horror was. And then, gosh, like the scene between Clarice and Hannibal, like when he's when they're talking about like the lambs and everything and she's having her moment, I would, I would wake up when I was in high school, I would be getting ready for school and I would just put it on as I was like getting my lunch together, getting my backpack together. I would just put that scene on because I'm like, this is so beautiful. It's scary and it's emotional and it's beautiful. And that's what I love about horror that's the pinnacle to me is when something is so scary that you're so scared of it but it's something that draws you to it something that's beautiful but it's something that scares you but you're still there's still something that draws you to it it's like that comfort and the silence of the lambs like everything within it just makes that mixed to me like they did such a good job making Clarice from page to screen and I I I just appreciate it so much and even though it wasn't the, the same going from Science of the Lambs to Hannibal and like going all after that and everything it's it's not the same. It still has that psychological element to it that I appreciate. And it's, it holds a certain depth to it that I, that I'm drawn to. Yeah. Um, that's kind of why I have it at number 10 for me. Yeah. So yeah, um, I, I completely agree with all of that. Um, I, I, I to me, it's not so much about anything else. It's between the two of them. Yes. I think they yeah. make the movie and yeah, um, watching them go at it and realizing, you know, the mind games that are going on that, mm-hmm. you know, she's giving it just as good as he is, but even at that point, he's still two steps ahead. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to me, that's one of my favorite things is I just, I love watching two people play mind games with each other. Mm-hmm. And I love that this isn't really shown in the movie adaptations, but in the books that like, you know, she's here, he's two steps ahead. That is shown in the books way more than it is in the movie adaptations and I'm, I still think that like, even with Hannibal and Red Dragon and everything, I think they were fine adaptations. It's, mm-hmm. it's, you just can't really capture that tandemness that like the yeah. dance that they do. 
Yeah, I mean, it's almost as much. I didn't even need to see any of Buffalo Bill. Yeah, exactly. I, I didn't even need to see any of him, but then you bring him into the equation and uh, uh, yeah. I, I know, right? It's like, oh yeah. my God, it's like you have this amazing thing that's like this psychological dance. Yeah. But then you have this other thing that's like, oh my God, this person is like, oh my god (laughs) yeah you have just you have a character that's deranged but he's not exactly he's not smart enough to put it yeah yeah exactly it's like who am i supposed to root for am i supposed to root for the more like the the person who is more suave and like who's more sophisticated in this versus the person who is like doing this for the the raw carnal brutality yeah, of it all. Yeah, it's like but the fact well, that the, you <laughs> yeah. still, you're still forgetting the swap Ex- sophisticated one is just as raw and carnal. Exactly, exactly. I, yeah, oh, just, God, I, just, I love it. Just the veneer. Like, yeah, yeah. That that's what the uh, Hannibal series. Did you watch that? The with uh, Mans Mikkelsen. I, I watched the first season, but I, I couldn't come back to it for the second season. We lost our provider, so I was oh, never. Oh no! To... Okay, yeah, because I I've yeah, seen I all the... of it, yeah, and I, I would. I've been trying definitely... to track it. I've been trying yeah. to track it down. So yeah, it, yeah, it's been definitely on my list recommend watching all of it, and yeah, it's it, it puts a new. You would think that it's like oh like whatever it's just a Hannibal and they're making it more gruesome, but they do add more layers to it. That is congruent with the psyche that is Hannibal Lecter. So it's, Oh man, it's just so good. He is just a character that is just right for interpretation and layers. And yeah, Yeah. he's fun. Yeah. Um, I really debated whether to put him on my list. I, I had to do a number 10 just it's like I have so many other slots to fill but I I needed this one in there somewhere so yeah yeah um that was my number 10 uh my number nine was misery yeah (laughs) so yeah um like I said uh just the way it goes about between the two of them because it's 90 percent of the film you fail to realize it is it's a two-person play Mm-hmm. And you know, yeah, you get the cutaways to the police officer. Yeah, you get a few other static shots with other crowds and stuff. Mm-hmm. But ninety percent of it is the two of them, and they hold it remarkably well. Yeah, and, too. yeah, and even more to the fact he, you know, he's in a bed for all of it. You know, he's propped up mm-hmm. in a chair. He's got his foot on the, the stool, or that foot rest, and he's sitting in bed wondering, "How am I going to get out of this?" And just the way that they play off of each other, oh, just fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And just like when she goes off and she's like doing her like cock a duty, like she's swearing, but not swearing. It's like, oh my goodness. It's so yeah, uncomfortable. As soon as, that, as soon as the first of those, it's like your butt tightens, you get that clench in your fist. It's like, he's not safe. Right. And exactly. It, it just, it goes from there and it's like, I remember I loved it when I first saw that and I mean yeah it just the you know the the tension in that is just fantastic yeah it's it's something that like just hitches in your chest it's like god I can't breathe until I I know that like this is okay (laughs) it's like you know like you said the first time you see you hear that and it's like 
he ain't getting out of this. Right. Yeah. And yeah, it it just ratchets it up, and I yeah. I I love it for that. <laughs> so uh, my number eight was Carrie. Yeah. Yeah. So I stuck my kings together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I'm a huge fan of this. Uh, I'm. I, I, I do like the other two adaptations. I, I don't mind the made for TV version. And mm-hmm. I I don't I think the 2013 one, the Chloe Grace Moretz one, it I do think it gets a little unfairly overlooked just because, you know, the eternal problem, she's too good looking, she's not believable. Yeah. Is, I, I yeah, do and... get that. And it it is a fair it is a fair flaw in the film, but yeah. it, it's not bad. It's, no, not a no, bad, I, it's not a bad film when you look past that that's that's I, what i'm trying to say yeah i also think that i i adore julianne moore i adore her like again like i'm a lover of silence of the lambs i love her as clarice but i just don't think she needed to be in that movie as yeah the mom it's like a, she, it's like it's an odd role for oh, her oh yeah like i'm like you're you're julianne moore like you could be doing something else like we can use somebody else for this role yeah it's a it's a it's odd uh, that that's my main issue with it is is that yeah those two roles i think are way too miscast yeah but by and large i don't have as many issues with the film as everybody else but it it still it doesn't top the original no like i it's closer to what the novel was like story-wise mm-hmm. and there are a lot of things in there like with Carrie going to this like bar like this house next to a bar and everything there's there's so much stuff but I feel like in that it's I don't know it's just it, there are so many things that it's like I feel like you were going for maybe names rather than actually telling the full story yeah you know it's yeah it's kind of felt a little flat yeah um i would i would want to revisit the 2002 version just because i think it's been a while since i've seen that one mm-hmm. and i i didn't mind it i thought it was okay angela bettis was good as carrie i liked her in yeah. that role Mm-hmm. And I did like the high school girls because I remember a couple of up and coming scream queens were in that one. But yeah, um, I, just the way that, you know, Sissy Spacek is in the original. I mean, just she just exudes just that perpetually confused and out of her element yeah. teenager. She really and does like that. Just it, innocent of like, why? Like, I, I mean. I'm just doing my best. Like, why can't you just accept me for that? And it's like, oh my God, your heart breaks for her. Yeah, Yeah, that was the first time I ever remember actually almost like crying instead of jumping. Oh, because it was, I mean, you know, you you feel for her and then, you know, you get to the prank at the high school. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's very sad. I mean, all of, and, you know, all of that before I actually like was scared or, clenched up and then you know the chaos at the prom and it's just yeah at that point it's kind of like fuck yeah carrie i mean yeah you know like (laughs) i mean the gift you know that gift you always see that good for her thing 
Exactly. I yeah. That. <laughs> well, good for her. <laughs> exactly. I yeah. I didn't know it at the time because gifts weren't a weren't a thing back then. Right. Yeah. But yeah, I, I that's completely what. Yeah. Felt exactly. It. That's what you felt. It's like, yeah. oh man, there are so many things where it's like, oh, maybe you could have thought through that, but good for you overall. Yeah. Like you, you took control of it. Yeah. Um. <laughs> and yeah, I I still give it credit for doing that and. So um, uh, my number seven is Audition. Ooh, I haven't read that book. Ah, it, I, from what I recall, the book is faithful to a point. I think it's the switch over from how she acts. And I'm trying to be nervous. I'm trying to be spoiler free about this. Yeah. I, I think the switch over in the book is handled a little differently. I, I don't think that she comes off the same way in the book as she does in the movie. Because okay. the movie, they added a couple character quirks that mm -hmm. aren't in the book. And I think the book handles the changeover somewhat differently. But the rest of the film is, I think, pretty faithful from what I remember. Okay, cool. Because when I was... Um looking up things i was like oh yeah let me get a list and like put my list together i saw audition on there and i was like oh man i haven't this is something that i haven't seen the original source material to yeah <laughs> so knowing what you just said i'm very curious to watch it yeah um i mean you know the film is still a, it's still amazing it's still a lot of fun as is but like I said, from what I remember of the synopsis of the book, I think they change her slightly. So the twist is a little, it comes off a little differently, but I, I think it's one of those where they changed it just for the essence of the character rather than anything specific. Because mm -hmm. I remember Mike was a huge fan of it. And that's one of the reasons why, because it's actually one of the few things where there's a close turnaround between the book and the movie. Because right. the book yeah. is, I think, 96 or 97, and then the movie's 99. Okay. So I, I think it was one of those where Mike was, he was like, okay, I've got to do this. Yeah. So I, from what I remember, he said he really wanted to keep the essence of the character, but mm -hmm. it was either unfilmable or he couldn't do it. So they made a few slight changes to her. So the change comes a little differently, but I think it's still the same essence of the book from what I remember. All right, cool. Yeah, uh, number six, I have The Haunting. Yes. I'm a huge that, fan. Of, that was, that uh, was close to being on my list. <laughs> yeah, um, I've, I've always been a huge fan of this. Um, it's one of my small guilty pleasures is haunted house films. Mm -hmm. So this one and uh for those that are wondering yes i'm referring to the original not the remake I, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, no god i would have yeah. some words to say <laughs> yeah um I, I just wanted to make that clear be just you know throwing it out there but uh yeah um i i do have a lot of love for the original it's one of my favorites in the genre i remember reading that there was um much more of an overt lesbian relationship between Eleanor and the other girl that was toned down for the movie. Theo? Theo, yeah. I remember yeah. that they were much more overtly lesbian, which the censors had to dictate it, but I think otherwise yeah. it's it's incredibly faithful. And 
I can understand why they kept it faithful because even with the toned down relationship, they're still great together. I still really appreciate the pairing. And you mix them together in that house. That house is just chilling. It is, yeah. And I, that scene where they're just in their room and you see the door is like uh, breathing. And then you hear, you, God, that like, I'm holding your hand. It's like, I'm not holding your hand. It's like, oh, oh God. <laughs> oh, that, that got me. It's that. so scary. <laughs> That got me. Yeah, um, I, I'm a huge fan of those kinds of jump scares. Yeah, and that got me when I first saw it. So, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I had to keep that on the list. Absolutely. Uh, number five for me is let the right one in. Oh yes, yes. Yeah, one of my that favorite, is a good one. One of my favorite vampire films of all time. Not my favorite, but it's a top five. Much like it placement on this list. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I remember when I first learned that she was a vampire because I didn't know who she, know she was. When I first heard that turn, it was a gut punch. It was like, it completely shocked me because I didn't suspect it. I didn't see it coming. I thought she was a ghost for some reason. Mm-hmm. So when she revealed vampire, I was like, wow. And the way it handles the central relationship between the two of them, re- re- realizing that they're barely 10 year old kids. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it, it's fantastic the way it handles I, that. Yeah, and right. they're just so tender and heartfelt that it's a, I, it, it just comes off so naturally and innocent. Yes. Yeah. I, that's, that's one that I, I, I didn't know either. I, I didn't know what I was getting into. And when I did, I was like, oh my God, this is just, it's so sad. Like yeah. the sadness of it and just that- carries through and the love and like the, like in the, love of you know I will love you through whatever it's like it's not that romantic love it's just something that just transcends exactly yeah yeah it's just it's so it's such a beautiful story and I I I'm annoyed that there was an American remake like there was for um that German, um, what was that German one with the shoot? The uh, I may help if you know anything else. Um, ah, uh, the the golfers, and they made an American version of it. Oh, um, um, yeah, I remember reading about this, but it's not coming to me. Uh, yeah, um the shoot uh what is it um well anyway yeah that, you, that one that you know it's like the uh german family on vacation and they have people come over and they're they're like hey like let me like take over your family and it's just i don't know it's just oh funny games yes thank you funny, funny games. games yes that's yeah, what it was yeah it's something that i like funny games i saw and then i saw 
this after it. And I was like, man, this is just so like messed up. And it's just, it gets in your head. And I, I just appreciate a story that can really take these general abstract ideas and use them to get psychologically into your head like things that can be like oh this is a a uh holiday thing that is you know something that should be universally or at least like culturally acknowledged yet we're going to use this thing to get into your head about why you're a bad person and your sins and your what you should repent and everything and that feeds into the the flip side of what we're celebrating it's it's yeah <laughs> it's it's really fun to dissect yeah. and it's, it's one of those things where it's like oh man like yeah like i i really i appreciate like this religious thing but i really want to dissect it because there's a lot of stuff going on <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah uh i i absolutely love that movie um i mean i could go on for that for a while number four for me is rosemary's baby yeah yeah um i mean like we were saying just uh, the way it it just it it attaches one of the greatest relate sensations of, of a person's life and then just flips it onto its head into something just so demented and tragic Ugh. yeah and that's that's one of the scariest things to me is the because with rosemary's baby like she's she's a mom like coming into her own and as as i have gone through this like you go through that period of like i have i have no idea what i'm going through like i have no idea what i'm doing but yet i'm the mother of this being so i know what's best and it's like this, like, I don't know what's going on, but hey, yo, like, I got this kind of thing. Yeah. And, and I love seeing that in Rosemary's Baby, that just like, that give and take of like, oh my God, like, pregnancy is scary. And I don't know what to do. I don't know what I'm doing. But you know what? I got this. Like, this is what I should be doing. And almost the I would say almost the scariness of how accepting you are of what you need to do when you're a mother. Like, I, like, I, you just got to do it because you're a mother. Either you are or you aren't. And if you are, you you just got to fucking do what you got to do. And that's what it is. And yeah. it's kind of scary actually <laughs> like yeah going going through it it's like wow what you realize what you would do as a mother to protect and to teach your children how to navigate the world it's actually scary what you would do for them and yeah. i i get that 
Yeah, I uh, couldn't have said it better. Uh, of course, you <laughs> did it better because you actually have first-hand experience. <laughs> so um, my number three is Jaws. Yes. Yeah, um, I, I know it's not close, but I, I think the changes are for the better. Um, this is actually one that I, I am pretty familiar with the original novel, and that would not have lasted the, if on if it came on screen as a faithful adaptation. It was not <laughs> it was not that good. Um, the changes to this one, I think, were this is the few times the changes to, from the book were for the better. All right. I'll, yeah, I have not read the original version. I've seen the movie many, many a time. Same here. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Yeah, I've yeah. always wanted to read Jaws, yeah, the, but I, ju I just never had time. The novel makes the shark almost um, a supporting character. Mm -hmm. And it just seems the, the attack, the way that it, it, the way it appears in the novel is much more freak accidents, which I think is partly because of the original inspiration with the attacks on the Jersey Shore in the mm -hmm. early 19-teens. I'm not I mean, I can go in depth on that um, at a different time, but the ma the majority of the novel is uh, two um, alternating storylines. Uh, the first is um, the mayor pressing Brody not to do anything because he's being pressured by the mafia and they're the ones controlling the town through mm -hmm. secret. Uh, I, I think they're like, running a landscaping scene where they like own the property so they don't want to lose that by the tourists leaving so they're pressuring the mayor to keep to tell brody to keep it down mm -hmm. and then there's uh the secondary storyline with the uh, hooper and his wife having an affair okay <laughs> so yeah um uh, the book is <laughs> <laughs> yeah um Quint is pretty similar. Um, I think, yeah, Shaw toned him down a little. He's not as cranky. He's not as salty or any of that. Mm -hmm. um, different death, which I'm not going to spoil, but um, yeah, uh, the way that the book plays out, it would not have been as good as it is. It, the movie Jaws wouldn't have been as good. So I mm -hmm. absolutely love the, the movie. I mean, it's one of the best of all time. So had to um, honor it that way. Uh, mm -hmm. Number two is Frankenstein, like we mentioned. Yeah. <laughs> Although mine's the universal one. I, I have nothing against the Mary Shelley one, but I, yeah. <laughs> I went with the universal one just because it's uh, my favorite of the two. I do. I, I absolutely adore the scene where he's, it's something that wasn't shown in original theatrics but when he's like oh my god now i finally know what it's like to be god and just like all yeah. of oh my god all of that like pontificating and everything he's just ah oh, like yeah <laughs> it's so good <laughs> mary shelley was so good yeah <laughs> and uh my number one is the exorcist Nice. Yes. Uh, you know what? That would have been on my list, but I have not read the book. Mm. <laughs> also, I really, okay. I've been listening to this other podcast, um, Astonishing Legends. If 
anybody has not heard of it, please go check them out. Astonishing Legends. They do a lot of, um, they talk a lot about, um, I don't want to say famous, but just like things that are, yeah, like they've, they've done the exorcist story. They've gone to, if anybody knows the Sally house, they've gone there. They do all these like long podcast episodes on kind of deconstructing what it is to follow these supernatural stories that's the best way I can put it um because they're they're not trying to prove anything they're just um kind of agnostics like they want to say something but you know they'll they'll give you the the ins and outs as it comes so yeah <laughs> uh they're they have been a, a something something that i have listened to like constantly and they have a lot of things here and there where it's like you know we we've been to some somewhere where it's like there's a lot of stuff going on and you know it it might be something that's connected to psychological or not psychological uh paranormal history and uh if they're, they're really interesting i would highly suggest checking them out but i they they have made me want to go to different places and be like all right let me just just see where like not just to capture something to capture something you know it's just like let me go and see what I can feel as a person who is open to things that are like I've heard a lot of people talk about a lot of strange things so let me just go and see and maybe something will open itself to me because I'm not opposed to like any kind of paranormal things coming at me but it's like all right let me you know also test my boundaries I don't want (laughs) anything (laughs) awful coming at me but it's yeah like I I do I don't know it's just kind of that like I I'm open to things and like let me just feel what's out there Mm. (laughs) yeah um i wish i was like that um (laughs) i uh from my own personal experience i would be open to it if i experienced anything but since i haven't it's one of those where i don't have that kind of connection yeah but i knowing one either way for sure um i would be open to it either way so but yeah um so we should go on a like midwest like western like ghost tour thing and just like check stuff out and yeah <laughs> like just take stuff with us and like hey what happens <laughs> maybe someday but yeah. uh <laughs> um yeah uh, i guess that uh brings us to the end of our list uh before we go do we have any uh, honorable mentions to bring up real fast do i actually do have an honorable mention i would like to do Coraline as an honorable mention i 
that is a beautiful short story. I think it's great for like middle school kids. And my, my son is six right now, two years ago, he was really into Coraline still into it. Like it's something that my kids watch and like, you know, they might not be exactly into, but it's one of those things that it's like, Oh yeah. It's like this weird, weird thing that's on. And it's like, we, we like it. And, uh, Coraline is just, I don't know. It's just one of those things kind of like the nightmare before Christmas, where it's, it's just one of those things that kind of seeps into your childhood and, um, because Coraline is such a great book, um, which I would recommend to anybody who, no matter what reading level you're on, like Coraline, amazing. And it's, it's really fun for kids. And watching the movie is just a visual treat. So that, that's my honorable mention is Coraline. Yeah. Um, for me, I have two. Um, I would go Stir of Echoes. Oh, yes. I is... want to do that as a review soon. So if, if we do, it's all on you. That's that's my <laughs> recommendation based yeah. on you. Cool. Um, I mean, yeah, it's a great movie and I'm a huge fan of it. Yeah. Um, and it takes place in Chicago. Nice. <laughs> um, and uh, my other one was Ringu. The, uh, yeah. Ringu, that was a one that I, I don't know if a lot of people are familiar with, but yeah, that's also a uh, novel adaptation. So yes, yeah, it is. Yeah. So um, yeah. Uh, wow. This was so much fun. I'm so yeah. glad we got to do this. <laughs> Me too. I'm so glad I got to talk to you. <laughs> oh, same here. Um, so before we go, uh, go ahead and uh, tell everyone about uh, your show where they can find you and uh, necessary links if you want. Well, I am, again, a co-host on Beyond the Screams podcast. You can find us at beyondthescreams.com and find us at Beyond the Screams on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, and yeah, just let us know what you want to hear and what you think. Awesome. Absolutely. So, uh yeah, uh, links for those will uh, be in the show notes down below. And uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for joining me, Holly. This was a blast once yeah, again. Yeah, this was so much fun. Thank you. <laughs> My pleasure. Happy to have you on board. And uh, with that, we will see you next time with a new list for you to check out. So stay tuned until then. Bye.